Our Mother's Day reading today from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 9, beginning at verse 36. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At that time, she became ill and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in a room upstairs. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, who heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him with the request, Please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter put them all outside, and then he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Meanwhile, he stayed in Joppa for some time with a certain Simon, a tanner. For the word of the Lord, thanks be to God. Loving God, may these words and the thoughts that flow from them help us to grow together to love and serve you in the Spirit's power. Amen. Well, while family life and relationships can often be messy, that's not news, ask any young Australian what matters most to them and the majority will say family. We know that should be the sermon slides. Thank you. That's what I was expecting. (laughs) We know that families are formed in many different ways and people identify with family according to their life experience, their cultures, and perhaps even their personality. Our modern Western concept of the nuclear family is quite different from a first century Greco-Roman or Palestinian or Jewish sense of family or of the ancient Hebrew concept of family. While the ancient cultural context of the Bible don't really give us an exact blueprint of family life for today, The Bible's inspired words are very clear about the way that we are to relate to one another within families, with mutual love, faithfulness, and respect. These are the attributes of God in whose image we are formed. Love, faithfulness, and respect are the glue that hold relationships and communities together. However, I wonder, have you noticed, love, faithfulness and respect actually take lots of really, really hard work. 
Has anyone ever noticed that? Today's reading paints a picture of an early Christian community functioning as a loving, inclusive family for widows, many of whom perhaps were mothers themselves. Tabitha seemed like a mother to this community. In the first century, there was no social welfare system to care for widows. And one of the distinctives of those early Christian communities was their care for those whose society neglected. Earlier in Acts, we learn that Stephen had been appointed by the church in Jerusalem to resolve an internal problem. And that was that the Greek-speaking Jewish widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food in their community. Stephen only a few chapters later, was martyred, as it turns out. So that helps us to keep in mind that these were dangerous times, that while today's story is a great, and it's a beautiful story, these were not easy times to be identified as Christian community. Tabitha's ministry is such a ministry to widows in the Jewish city of Joppa, which was down on the Mediterranean coast. It seems that she shaped a loving, faithful, respectful community by continually sharing her resources with others, and I imagine being an example of two others to do the same. Tabitha's dedication to the community led many to believe in the Lord, I would expect, even before Peter raised her from, the, from death. Tabitha's ministry resurrected the lives of the widows who were saved from poverty and exclusion and helped them to find life as part of the community. Tabitha's ministry created a family-like community for those seeking connection, care and protection. Only this week, someone who has been loosely connected with our community over the last year reached out in a time of need saying that as they flicked through all the names in their phone, they felt that our church was a place where they felt safe and valued. Their own family connections are complicated and stressful at this time, and reaching out to our church and to our community offered a place of refuge. I love the metaphor of family life as poetry. That's where I've come to in my... Um, at this point in my life, I see relationships grow in language. I see the richness of family life like poetry in motion. And I see this demonstrated on a daily basis in our church community, in our diverse Rabina Anglican family. Poetry is fluid and flexible and diverse. Poetry holds story for cultures who rely on oral tradition. About a third of the Old Testament is phrased in verse. And then there are other pieces of poetic writing embedded in some of the other books. And poetic content is also embedded in different places in the New Testament. Think of Job, Psalms, Proverbs, the festival songs, Lamentations, Song of Songs, all, all poetry. 
But even in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, which is a wisdom book, there are fragments of poetry, some that we know well, like there's a time for everything and a lesson for and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance and so on. Or in Proverbs, there's a lot of poetry. Where, think about the passages where wisdom as an attribute of God is portrayed in the feminine form. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom. She will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get understanding. Get wisdom, though it cost all you have. Get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you, embrace her, and she will honour you. Poetry can hold and express the subtleties and mysteries of life, especially in relationships. And there is a sense of mystery in the forming of and in being family. Learning to appreciate what people are saying when they express themselves differently from us, from me, is part of the hard work of showing love and respect. Listening without judgment, with a view to understanding and discovering the meaning encapsulated in what someone is saying, helps to strengthen family life. Words and actions can make or break, strengthen or destroy. The way we communicate is a vital ingredient in the dynamics of family life, whether it is our family of origin, the family in which we find ourselves due to life circumstances, or in the family that is the body of Christ. Family life is like poetry, and it has many forms. There are structured forms like sonnets or haiku. There's playful poetry, Poetry that's light or dark, quiet or loud, lamenting, joyful, gentle, strong, evocative, confusing. Poetry can stir up every, every emotion possible in human expression. I recently heard a rare conversation with the great American poet, the late Mary Oliver. In this profound conversation, she says that while not everyone sees themselves, as a poet, or even knows anything at all about poetry, there is something about poetry that feeds a deep hunger within the human person in ways that nothing else can. Poetry encapsulates mystery and complexity. Today's reading contains deep mystery. Tabitha dies, and through Peter's prayer, she's restored to life. 
This is the same Peter that we heard from last week. He's one of a privileged few, very few, in fact, who raised the dead. The story has parallels with Jesus raising the daughter of Jairus. This Peter that we encounter today is no longer the Peter that's overwhelmed by his own failings. This Peter is in ministry, boots and all, and he finds himself in Lydda, down near the Mediterranean coast. In verses 32 to 35, just before today's reading, Peter heals a man named Aeneas, who was paralyzed and bedridden. Peter says to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. And Aeneas does. When Tabitha dies in the nearby coastal city of Joppa, the Christian community calls for Peter to come. Peter arrives and he sends the people who are mourning outside and says, Tabitha, get up, which he does. These resurrection stories say a lot about death to life, bringing life from places where life has been squished out. Focusing on Tabitha's story, Tabitha is called a disciple. This is the only place in the New Testament where the female form of the Greek word disciple is used. So Tabitha is unique in that regard. And incidentally, this has really got nothing to do with the story, but I just need to tell you because it's really interesting. Her name, the Aramaic Tabitha and the Greek Dorcas means, does anyone know? actually means gazelle, means gazelle. Since Luke calls Tabitha a disciple, this probably means that Tabitha was a woman of financial means and status. Her devotion to good works and charity was a hallmark of women in the early church. In the absence of a state social welfare system, caring for widows and orphans was radical social justice. Tabitha's Tabitha's discipleship was characterized not by significant family connections or by her wealth, but rather by the networks that she had built with the widows, the most marginalized in the community. Her ministry didn't need any formal leadership to enable her to serve in this way. Next week, this is just a little taster for next week. We're going to return to John's Gospel and we're actually going to be exploring what it means to be a disciple. So Tabitha's example of discipleship today is timely. So keep these things in mind for next week. Today's reading is also the story of the women, the widows, whose community life was built together on a shared experience of loss. It was the widows, the ones impacted by Tabitha's work, who wept for her who were able to show the community what Tabitha had done with them and for them. They acknowledged and validated Tabitha's ministry in very authentic ways. Tabitha's story tells us that our work has value and impact, even if those in power or with authority over us don't always see it or acknowledge it. The worth and value of our work is best determined by those whose lives it directly impacts. The person who phoned during the week 
I'm not sure that the community that this person has connected with will be entirely aware of the impact that they have had to create this space of safety so that this person could reach out in a time of need. Today, there's a gift for every woman who's here as you leave today. And if you're with us online, but you'll be along in the next few weeks, we have one for you as well for the next time that we see you. It's a fridge magnet. And on it is the quote I mentioned in this week's blog from Rowan Williams' book, Being Disciples. I am more than I realize in the eyes of God. In the Gospels, miracles are signs, a demonstration of the power of God. How might this resurrection story inspire you to see that perhaps you are more than you realize in the eyes of God? That who you are and what you have to offer is important. Perhaps it might strengthen our resolve to create a more loving and just world where, like Tabitha, we devote our lives and use our resources, whatever they might be, for good works and acts of charity that are life-giving for others. Perhaps it might encourage us to strengthen our family life here at Rabina Anglican so we can better love and support one another and those who we're yet to meet. Especially as we discern how we can be church together and meet the needs of young families and those in our wider community as we move into a time after the pandemic. The Hello Dinner will be a great opportunity to do this, to get to know people that perhaps you haven't met before, to simply bring a plate of food that is your, linked to your cultural background or maybe it's just your favourite food. Anything is fine. Bring it, share it. Sit down with people and simply share stories. Say hello. You'll be given prompts to do this. It won't be one of those, it won't be an awkward dinner. It'll be very, a very relaxed dinner and you'll be given very gentle prompts to make it feel comfortable for you to do that. We can all live a life that alerts the world to God who is loving and just and faithful and willing and able to resurrect death things. God breathes life into broken places. The medieval anchoress Julian of Norwich committed her life to prayer and contemplation. In fact, her writings are the earliest um, surviving work of an English woman whose identity we know. She was often called Mother Julian, and this is what she wrote. As truly as God is our Father, so just as truly is God our Mother. In our Father, God Almighty, we have our being. In our merciful mother, we are remade and restored. Our fragmented lives are knit together and made perfect. And by giving and yielding ourselves through grace to the Holy Spirit, we are made whole. Mary Oliver collated a book of her own poetry in the last few years of her life, which she called Devotions. It's a beautiful collection and it's become a great companion for me alongside the scriptures in my daily devotions. 
I'm going to close with one of her poems that brings together these thoughts on relationships and discipleship and resurrection and wholeness. Mysteries, Yes, by Mary Oliver. Truly we live with mysteries too marvellous to be understood. How grass can be nourishing in the mouths of the lambs. How rivers and stones are forever in allegiance with gravity while we ourselves dream of rising. How two hands touch and the bonds will never be broken. How people come from delight or the scars of damage to the comfort of a poem. Let me keep my distance always from those who think they have the answers. Let me keep company always with those who say, look and laugh in astonishment and bow their heads. Amen. Would you please stand as we get ready to sing together?